Hello and welcome to Strangers to the Multiplex. This is Darius here, I'm your host this evening, and I'm joined as always by Katie. Hello. Rob Wood. <laughs> You've made. And Rob, Mr. Stew. Hello. Right, well, we've just, just finished, because we're all actually in the same room, which is very rare. It is very rare. It's very rare. rare. We're touching each other as we speak. Well, you know, I've told you, I've told you once, I'm and I'll tell you again. Let's keep it clean, let's keep yeah. it clean. So, yeah, we've just been watching uh, The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened, which is a brilliant uh, documentary which was um, funded through Kickstarter. Uh, it's had a lot of press over the last couple of months, was released uh, digitally uh, in July and tells a story about the, um, well, failed adaptation of The Death of Superman by Tim Burton, starring Nick Cage. Um, so guys, I thought this episode we could talk about what-ifs. So maybe we can talk about the films which uh, never were made, the films were stock in development hell, um, and maybe we, then we can talk about what would we want, what's our fantasy film, our ultimate what if movie so we're all gonna pitch one of those movies in a moment so let's kick off with the death of superman lives what happened what did we think i think J john peters happened it is, <laughs> is uh, putting it in a, in yeah. a nutshell so for those who've not seen it who is john peters <laughs> he was one of the producers um that was very much the driving force behind the idea of it wasn't called superman lives was it it was what was the original superman reborn i think like originally yeah. superman reborn then kevin smith um rewrote it as superman lives yeah yeah which i think he was right it did sound better and he explains that within it and there's probably going to be a few can we call it spoilers? There will be spoilers talk in talking about spoilers it. for a film that was never made. Yeah, yeah. yeah. spoilers for yeah. But spoilers. if you're going to watch no, the documentary, if you're going to watch the documentary and you want to, you know, the the discovery of what happened, it was all very new for me mm, sure. watching it. Um, but what an interesting character, John John Peters is. Yes. Some of the things he was coming out with were just yeah. amazing. Yeah. So John Peters actually was one of the producers on 1989 Batman and um, managed to get the rights to Superman. And so the, a lot of the documentary is actually with uh, John Peters, kind of mainly, I would say, so him and Tim Burton, and a lot of the um, pre-production artists and a few of the writers. Um, I thought it was fascinating. I think um, a lot in that documentary. I mean, as mm -hmm. a documentary alone, I think it was brilliant. It was very well done in terms of production and everything, but maybe cram-packed a bit too much mm. for my liking with concepts and the concept art maybe. sometimes i was struggling to listen to what they were they were saying and what mm. was happening on the screen <laughs> yeah and the subtitles as well yeah there's a lot of information all of which was fascinating yeah absolutely fascinating i mean visually Vision amazing incredible. Yeah. yeah it was definitely one for the fans but you're right it's almost like you needed to pause to take on board some of those wonderful visuals that they had the concept art um, on top of the information they were giving about what they were being told, what they were being asked, or why they drew it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Because there was a lot of, obviously, a lot of people involved in this. And it very much started off with Kevin Smith writing the script for Warners. Mm -hmm. And um, then when Tim Burton came in, uh, Tim Burton basically threw that script out and it was rewritten about three times and then never actually made. <laughs> but um, what, what, what did you think, Rob, about um, the the direction Tim Burton was taking in. Uh, I think it would have been a very different take on Superman. Whether it would have been a good film, I don't know. 
it certainly would have been very interesting. And considering some of the films that came out around the time, seeing the superhero films, I think this would have been something very different. Mm. Um, again, Nicolas Cage as Superman, especially I've seen the documentary, I don't buy it, but it would have been interesting. It would have been something worth seeing. Uh, I think the main thing that I've taken out of seeing that documentary is this, this, again, is probably a saving grace for a lot of the bigger names involved. It probably wouldn't have worked. But my God, it would have been a hell of a film. I think that's it, isn't it? I mean, I don't think we're talking um, Batman and Robin disaster, no, no, are we? It, no. it would have been... That was Joel Schumacher. We're making a cartoon! <laughs> Before every take he said that. <laughs> Is that right? That's true. Oh, my God. So, um, what about you, Mr. Stu? What did you think? It was it was amazing. Um, I think, like Rob said, it, it's hard to say whether the film itself would have been a hit but to see the ideas behind it, to see some of the pre-production drawings, and to learn of the mindset going into the movie. Uh, John Peters, wow, what a man. <laughs> uh, honestly, you can make a documentary about John Peters, which would be equally as fascinating. The dude lives off his own ego. Yeah. That aside... Fantastic um, hair as well. Oh, fantastic hair. <laughs> He's he used very well quaffed. Very well quaffed. <laughs> yes. And I think we, we mentioned this while we were listening to watch it. it, used to be Barbara Streisand's hairstylist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think married her as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he tamed the quaff of uh, Barbara Streisand. I think, I think he married into Hollywood, the Hollywood elite, didn't he? He did, so, yes. And then, yeah, got the rights to these things. It's, it's like Kevin Smith says, you kind of, in Hollywood, you fail up. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I do think the documentary itself was a wonderful companion piece to that uh, Kevin Smith clip. You know, the one the evening with Kevin yeah. Smith where he talks about writing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For, for those who don't know, please, if you're interested, mm. just YouTube Kevin Smith Batman Superman. Sorry, Superman. Kevin Smith, yeah. Superman. Superman. And yeah. my God, that's it's one of the funniest and most brilliant stories ever. Yeah, he talks this a lot about John Peters. Doesn't and he, he does. Yeah. It's a fantastic um, story. So I think going into this documentary, as soon as I've seen John Peters come up on the screen, mm. I know who this dude is, yeah. I know what he's done wrong already. <laughs> <laughs> but no, just a fantastic documentary. It really did take you behind mm. the scenes of the struggle to make the film. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of documentary filmmaking, it's really good. Because I've seen similar documentaries recently, and I think this... Um, was probably one of the best I saw in terms of the way it was edited and put together. Maybe, like I say, a little bit over long, but there was a lot of concept yeah, art yeah. to cover, I guess, yeah, wasn't it? And it, it was really well done and visually amazing. I mean, Tim Burton, you know, taking my leave in recent years is always an interesting visual director. And it, it the, the stuff they were coming up with looked amazing. Yes, it seems like an obvious point, but a lot of the stuff, a lot of the concept paintings we saw were very Tim Burton. Yes. Yeah. You know? Um, very sort of like spindly characters. Mm. At one point, they show you like a three D model of Brainiac as a spider. Mm. My God, that's amazing. Did you um, think? Did you think watching this that um, Tim Burton was the right choice for for Superman? It, for me, it was either Burton or Peters. That was the problem. Yeah, that was the problem. I think. Mm. I, I mean, the uh, production guys were even saying that uh, Peters will come in and dismiss all their ideas and say this is not what we want and you've got Tim Burton saying I want this and Peter yeah. saying I want but this but even Tim Burton was saying that as soon as uh, Peters was there he felt the pressure mm. yes. of what he wanted and being such a quirky character I mean they weren't out and out saying it but they were giving examples of him walking into the room and putting people into a headlock because mm. he'd been learning <laughs> taekwondo jiu-jitsu, ju yeah. ju ju whatever. He'd been learning. Yeah, and he fights. would come in. And he was very much... We could not talk about this without saying the uh, giant mechanical yeah, spiders. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
which seemed to uh, well it, it was the, th- the three the three points that Peter said you know we don't want to see him fly don't want to see him in a suit and at some point in the film he's got to fight a giant spider yeah. but it's not called a spider <laughs> no what was it called snare beast Sangarian snare beast Sangarian yeah. snare beast so from now on we should refer to it as a snare beast <laughs> it's, it's not arachnophobia <laughs> but all the way through they reference the snare beast he was yeah. very much pushing for this to the yeah. point he ended up in a I, I kind of feel it did feel like there was a lot of people on this film who didn't really know anything about Superman Man. Yeah. There's yes. a lot of there's even the concept artists were saying, well, you know, I'm European. Uh, you know, he's from I think he's from France. He and he says, I, you know, I'm not really don't even know much about the American culture, etc., etc. I'm an right person for this. And the writers, well, saying I don't really know much about Superman. You know, <laughs> and it's like they're making a Superman film. Does Tim Burton even like Superman? You know, yeah, with yeah. Batman, you can see the fits. But he doesn't. What you could argue doesn't even like Batman because no. especially the sequel. He just likes that he likes the freaks. The, the second yeah. scriptwriter said through this documentary, he said that the first scriptwriter, Kevin Smith, mm-hmm. was clearly a fan yeah. of mm-hmm. Superman and he didn't understand some of the things that Kevin Smith was trying to get at. And I think that was a lot of what switched Burton off. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think as well, it did end up, I mean, I said it, and I don't know if anyone agreed, about how the film did feel like it was becoming less about Superman. Oh, no, absolutely. I think it was a Tim Burton movie. It was. Yeah. It looked like an interesting movie, Take Out Superman. Yeah. It probably wouldn't have been a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it was very much a Tim Burton picture. Yeah. And I think the thing is, when you bring somebody on like Tim Burton, and somebody who's an author, somebody who has very clear vision, you have to take that on board. Mm. Yes. You know, I, I mean, it worked with Batman, but I think with Superman, he wasn't a clear fit. I was wondering while watching it, um, when they were talking about the uh, Burton's ideas for Superman, whether Joel Schumacher might have been a better match for Given given the kind of movie yeah. they were trying to make, no. I'm not, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I see what you mean. No, I mean Joe Schumacher's not a bad director. You think he's Lost Boys? Yeah, he's made some really good boys. Tigerland, yeah, You know, he's he's not a bad bad director. Um, it's, I mean, Batman and Robin has a whole other conversation, but yeah, maybe maybe so. Somebody with that lighter kind of tone and touch to it. I think he might have got on better with um. John Peters' sensibilities. Yeah. Well, they did. If anybody could. John Peters was working on the uh, on the Batman films, and yes. his big thing was he wanted to make toys. Mm. Now, Batman Forever, third one, yeah, they um, they were made a lot more money out of the merchandise for yeah. that film. Sure. And so, my Batman and Robin basically became the merchandise yeah. Batman film. And so that's that's what Peters wanted, and that's what Schumacher made. Yeah, and Batman and Robin was pushed into really quickly into production, wasn't it? So yeah. I think mean, there's a lot. Of, that's a whole other conversation. John, John, John <laughs> Peters wanted yeah. a, wanted people around him that were going to go, yes, yeah, John, yeah. of course yeah, we'll yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah. Like a frustrated director, someone that knows he can't direct, frustrated in that, mm. and is trying to create a film. You know, they do he, mention, don't they, that John Peters would take his children into the art studio. Yeah. <laughs> And have his children judge what the concept artists yeah. have done, which to me sounds bizarre, but very Hollywood. Yeah. It, it was a movie being made by committee um, to some degree, so it was being pulled in all different directions, which we know what happens in Hollywood, and it happens to this day. Mm. I mean, we've recently had Ant-Man, which famously yeah. lost Edgar Wright as director, while he walked, because he didn't want to kind of bow down to the studio pressure, apparently, mm. allegedly, and, you know, kind of incorporated more into the Avengers. And I guess it's... Is that question if you have somebody, if you have a property that's so well known, so big, like Star Wars, like Batman, 
like Superman, etc. So which big has and some so history, mm. big and lucrative. Can you really come in and reinvent it? Can you re can you retell that mythology? Can you reinvent it? You know, safely. I think you can do. I mean, Nolan did it with Batman because mm. that was just dead by the time he'd got his hands on it and they rebooted it. Mm. Um, so it, it can be done, but again, Nolan for me doesn't have a very strong particular sense of his films have to be this, they have to look like this. Mm. Um, I think with someone like Burton they do. What did you guys take away from what we saw in the documentary that you thought would have made a cool Superman movie? There was a lot of information on display there. Mm. Um, well, I mean, they said that some of it was, or I don't know if they said it or we felt I they, think we felt uh, it. They'd taken some of that and put it into the Superman film that was made in 2006. Man of Steel. Man of Steel. And I think yes. we're going to see in the next Superman film as well. Yeah. yeah There's so a suspicion about that, yeah. 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 Brainiac. Yep. Well, I've got to be fair. I've got to be honest. I think that was one of the most exciting things for me from the whole documentary. Was Christopher Walken as Brainiac? Yeah. How cool would that have been? <laughs> that would have been pretty amazing. I, I never heard that before. Cast or that was Tim Burton strong wanted sense him. Of, he yeah. wanted him. I think he probably would have got him. Well, he, he likes to work. Yeah. Yeah. He'd have worked with him again, wouldn't he? Yeah. yeah. And to go back to your point, the idea that they've taken ideas from that movie and carried them forward. Uh, Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. mentioned that in the documentary as well. Yeah. yeah. If only Superman had thrown a punch for that entire film. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I'd probably say as well, I mean, they talked about it a lot, and I think probably because it was the one thing that had um, reached public media was the suit. Yeah. And they talked about that a lot. And um, yeah, they talked about it too much. So if you do watch this documentary, be aware there's a lot of chat <laughs> about this suit. I think to be fair to the, the makers, that that was a nugget that that footage has never been seen before, especially mm, the costume test. Mm, and I think mm, you know you can mm. kind of see why they kind of got carried away with showing that. Yeah, so. and then Tim Burton reflects on it, saying, "And that's why <laughs> he was yeah. overegging a bit, but essentially he was saying, and that's why anything I do from now on, it's with one camera and it's well away from anywhere <laughs> it's going to get released." And, and I think, I mean, just to, to just wrap up on that a bit, I think, I mean, that's I think what's really important is we're looking at um, the pre-production of a film. Mm. Which never got made. Mm. They they said the actual at the end of the film they say that sorry the documentary they say the costume wasn't even finalised. Mm. You know a lot of what we're looking at here were early concepts and films go through this process of being adapted and modified and it's a different birthing process. Coming, it's a different birthing process yeah. and there's so many films which have gone through this or worse in terms of pre-production and have come out being fantastic. Mm. So. But you know. because that photo was leaked yeah. to a, a wide audience of people who don't understand the whole yeah. idea of pre-production, yeah, yeah. their their assumption is this is what we're getting, and also and that was a the maybe the first mm, nail sure. in the coffin, yeah. and also that's only, that's one of the very few things that exists to the wider public of what Superman lives would have been, yeah. And therefore, yes. it comes to represent yeah. it. Yeah, I think one of the um, special effects team also said in the documentary that. The suit everybody seems to be up in arms over was only in the movie for a very short space of time. Yeah, yeah. It was Superman's resurrection. Well, resurrection. Yeah, I felt you would never have the one of the ideas was to have these lights sort of throughout mm. the suit. It was it some like fiber optic. That's yeah. right. Lasers, yeah. fiber optic kind of thing. Yeah. And I said, well, you can't have that all the way through. And they said two minutes yeah, of this entire yeah, film yeah. will have this well, suit, and it was a big part. I think by looks of it, because at the end of the documentary, they do show Nicolas Cage in the kind of more traditional costume, don't they? So I think he was in that more traditional costume for Doomsday. 
died, regenerated, used in the suit. Not Doctor Who regenerated, but you know. More Luke Skywalker uh, kind of bringing back. And... Um, and then he would have been in the more darker kind of black suit at the end, which I feel looked quite cool, actually. Which is a nice you know. nod to the yeah. comics as well. Yes. When Superman came back from the dead, he wore yes. a black suit and had a big mullet for a while. Yeah, yeah. It's but it was like, the 90s, everybody was doing that. Everybody was doing that. I think, I think we can agree, though. I think we can agree it would have been an interesting film. I don't yes. think it would Absolutely. be a boring film. It wouldn't have no. been It would have been better than film. Superman Returns. Well, <laughs> I mean, look, they never made it, and here we are oh, sat talking, talking about, about it, it, and they never even made it. So. You know, and, and yeah, and full creds to uh, the guys who actually made this documentary. It's a very good documentary. Really um, I know they've been very passionate about it, haven't they? Yeah. Who've heard really impressed with who they managed to get hold Absolutely. of. Absolutely, yeah. they had Grant, like Grant Morrison. Yeah, Grant Morrison, I was, yeah, I was yeah, very yeah. impressed. I with. think I think the extras as well. If you can check it out on the website, there's different packages you can buy. There's one which has got you know about six hours worth of footage, including the Kevin Smith um, Q&A we mentioned before which was worth a watch um, and some brilliant interviews with comic uh, writers and uh, production artists loads and loads of content there so that's um, that was The Death of Superman Lives which you know yeah, yeah. yeah. fascinating good thumbs yeah, up fascinating. recommend that Don't see it. brilliant it's, yeah. um, it's available for uh, $14.99 so what's that about 10 quid 11 quid so and well worth a watch Brilliant. So let's move on. What I thought we can discuss now are the other movies which never got made. What are those what if movies that got stuck in development hell or never, not even got to the um, kind of production stage? So, so I thought if we all kind of champion a kind of film that was stuck in development hell. So anyone want to go first? Volunteers? Mr. Wood? Yeah, I don't mind. Go for it. Okay, now the one for me, I remember reading about this years and years ago in Empire. And thinking, my God, what a film this would have made. And it was quite simply Paul Verhoeven directing Arnold Schwarzenegger in a film about the Crusades. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, that would have been beautiful. Now, this is Arnie at, his, Arnie at his peak, this is Verhoeven at his peak, this is mid 90s, this was just going to be epic on the grand scale. Slightly after Total Recall? This was after Total Recall, this was. <laughs> For some reason, Schwarzenegger seems to have this relationship with the public where for some reason nobody noticed he couldn't act. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, the Emperor was in his, in his new clothes at the time. Oh, that's nobody could see. I, this, this film got to the point that it was, uh, I mean, sets had been built, I think, in Spain yeah. and uh, they'd had a budget of 100 million to go and make the film. The script had been finalised. We've got a cast list here of uh, Gary Sinise as the bad guy. Ooh. Then, I know, you've got, um, I think, uh, Jennifer Connelly as the uh, the love interest, Charles, Charles, Charlton Heston, as the kind of, um, I don't know, the, right the guy who leads him along. Skunks. No, <laughs> as the guy who leads him along. Kind of and, mentor. Yeah, I mean, this was, I mean, in typical Verhoeven fashion, this was going to be uh, um, very un-PC. You know, he, he, this is a guy who has a definitive way of talking and, and way of making his films to make you think to you know he has something to really say and this was going to be a, a bundle because this wasn't going to be a typical hollywood this is you know all lovey-dovey and everything's awesome and aren't the british great for going on this crusade no the brits are the bad guys who were slaughtering mm. these people to get to the holy land to get money to get land mm. and this was going to be a very uncompromising view of that i mean i'd love these swords and sandals movies mm. Absolutely love them. Any war film, any time, oh, God, give it to me. 
this film would have been the best. Uh, I think it sounds brilliant. I mean, he he does have kind of um, I won't say an obsession, but he's very interested. He's very interested in religion yes. as a director. I mean, yes. Robocop basically was Christ, the yeah. resurrection, and that's why he did the film. He, you know, he, he's on record as saying he took the film on, and he saw that angle, and kind of went for it. So yeah, he's obviously mm. quite interested in religion, and obviously the violence. You can imagine those oh, battle scenes. God, I mean Arnold Schwarzenegger. God, I mean, yeah. just, He's Arnie at his peak. Any film, Arnie, but, I mean, Arnie at his sorry, peak. Hang on, who was Arnie playing? Arnie was playing. I'll, I'll, I'll go through this yeah, briefly here. The action opens, but well, this is actually what it was going to be. The action mm. opens with peasant thief Hagen Schwarzenegger being sentenced to death for illicit raiding of a corrupt clergyman's goods, having been thrown in jail just as the Pope himself arrives to drum up support for a crusade <laughs> to the Holy Land. Hagen Schwarzenegger escapes the noose by staging an apparent miracle. Realising his value as a promotional tool from the, from the recreation of the awestruck peasant masses, the bloodthirsty pontiff enlists the convict on Christendom's quest for the Middle Eastern domination. Wow. Tell me you don't want to see that film. <laughs> and uh, I'd just like to say, I mean, the film collapsed. Mm. Uh, apparently Verhoeven was in a meeting with Karolko, who had made Terminator and Terminator 2. And uh, they said, you know, what guarantees can you give us the film won't go over 100 million? And apparently he kicked off saying there's no guarantees. And, you know, God doesn't give guarantees. And... Apparently Schwarzenegger was kicking on the table saying, shut up. I like the idea he had gone on this, this side, though. Yeah. <laughs> this, this film was going to get made, but in the end, I mean, that put him off. They scrapped it despite making the sets, and they went off and made Cutthroat Island and uh. bankrupted the studio. Uh. I'll leave it at that. I, this, this film should have been Let's made. just have a quick talk through uh, Verhaven's track record leading up to that point, because he made, what, Robocop, and so, then he made Total Recall, yeah. and he would later Starships. go on to make Starship Troopers, yeah. absolutely. Mm. And Showgirls. Well, yeah, I was going to say Showgirls. I'm not, I'm not sure <laughs> that's a case full of defence or not. But, don't talk about Showgirls. Don't talk about Showgirls. <laughs> it has his merits. He's a European director. He, um, very he, he made a fantastic film called Black Book. Which no one's yes, seen, which is a yes, Dutch film. Yes. Fantastic film. And I really recommend seeing if you want something a bit different. Hollow Man. Hollow Man, yep. Yeah. Yeah, well, again, a kind of. No, well, you're yeah, all right. Basic Instinct, yeah. Total Recall, so Robocop. He doesn't shy away. He doesn't shy away from controversy. No. Um, Starship Troopers was pretty much saying fascism. Oh. I mean, before he came to the States, yeah, he'd made quite a lot of these, these This is why I love being in the same room. We're all better, we're all better around the same computer looking at um, the Internet Movie Database. No, he made, he made quite a lot of films in um, the Netherlands and mm. before he came over and made Robocop, you know, and Robocop, Tory I think I've seen that. Yeah, I think it's quite good. Was that was his first American one? I'm not sure. But anyway, um, yeah. yeah. He's a serious director. Yes, yes. Um, he doesn't shy away from things that might be controversial, might be difficult to deal no. with. And that's what you need. That's what you want sometimes, isn't it? Is Absolutely. someone that will push mm. the envelope. But sometimes, I think as we've kind of discovered with Superman, is sometimes that's too much of a risk for the studio. Well, I think those, they don't want to take those it. kind of... Uh, films as well as big kind of epic films. So, I mean, famously Cleopatra. Yeah. You know, was Taylor was mm. massive, but yeah. she like blew and blew out. I mean, eventually it did get made, but yeah, you can see how that could kind of go down. Yeah. Yeah. So did it? It came down to the money in the end. It came down to money. Although Cutthroat Island wound up make, it costing 116 million mm. and made about five million back. Oh jeez. So. Yeah, which film would you rather see? Which film would you have bet your, bet your studio mm. on? No, I remember I remember the Crusades being in production and mm. being talked about for quite a long time. So I think they did try and create it back. Well, Schwarzenegger well. tried to get the rights back in yeah. the 90s and get it remade, but ultimately... It's too old now, isn't he? Yeah. 
Cast the rock instead, it'd be fine. Well, <laughs> that's actually been talked about as well. So well, there you go. <laughs> you never know whether the rock could uh, make a film like that these days. I don't know that that kind of edge. Yeah. See, that'd be eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. Have to be 18. We don't make adult movies anymore, and if they do, like uh, *Girl the Dragon Tattoo* the remake, they don't make one. No. Okay. Any more? Next one. Any more? No. No. Any more for anyone? Uh, my examples are relatively. Um, contemporary one in as much as it's been discussed a lot recently it's Justice League Mortal from 2007 mm. um, I've got to be honest initially I shied away from reading about this I have a frustration with people talking about films that have been made and like like they're out there and they're still tangible they're not they for some reason or another they decide not to make them yeah. so we're never going to get to see but because we were doing this podcast I did decide to go away and have a quick read up Oh my God, what a movie it would have been. Mm. <laughs> um, it starts, uh, from, from what I've read of the synopsis, Batman's obsession with keeping an eye on everybody, um, mm. launching satellites to keep an eye on the super the superheroes, so, so the super-powered people of the world, um, which is very much a sort of obsession we've seen from Bruce Wayne from The Dark Knight. Mm. Um, it's a very much a very much popular theme of Batman in the contemporary reincarnation of Batman and so yes it was all about Bruce Wayne looking on to people with superpowers and there would be the sort of classic Justice League there would be the Flash there would be Green Lantern there would be John Jones the Martian Manhunter there would be um, Wonder Woman Razor mm. Ghoul's daughter as well yeah. which obviously was in the last Dark Knight movie but it was going to be directed by George Miller um, who's obviously famous for the Mad Max movies yeah. And I suspect if, if it had come after the recent Mad Max movie, mm. he'd have a lot of chance of getting it made. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. But also, um, it came at a time when the comic book movie wasn't really in vogue. It was the early days of the comic movie. The comic book movie, pardon me, uh, 2007. You've got to think in 2007, Iron Man hadn't been made yet. Nobody knew who the Avengers were mm. in terms of movie audiences. Um so I think George Miller, to a certain degree, was up against a lot. But from what I've read of the script, it sounds fantastic. It sounds very dark. Um, and it you, it ends with the death of Barry Allen, who <laughs> was the first Flash. Yeah. Um, fantastic. Really, really good. And they were also saying there was a lot against him having, having him made in, um, due to the fact that Superman Returns lost a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and there was a writer's strike at the time. Uh, they they were going to shoot in Australia, then the Australian government were going to give them a tax rebate. Mm. But they ended up pulling out of that because they couldn't cast enough Australian actors in the movie. Yeah, and I think it was the right straight that really kind of was the final nail in the coffin, wasn't it? But the it, the frustrating thing of it all is the fact they were actually in pre-production. Yeah, they yeah. even got the actors together. Um, you're gonna have to help me out with the names. Well, there's a photo. There's yeah. a photo of them all together. Yeah, as the well. beach somewhere yeah. in the dark. Yeah. Yeah, but you had what Army Hammer, That's yeah. Batman. Yeah. Uh, DJ Cotrona, I don't know who that guy, yeah, but he, he was about as Superman, yeah. Uh, Jessica Beale, or oh, she declined to be Wonder Woman. Adam Brody is <laughs> the Flash. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, Aquaman wasn't cast yet, but was <laughs> no one. Even even the synopsis you read, um, I read a script review this morning on <clears> I think <throat> it might have been the Bleeding Corn website. Yeah. And they were saying the Aquaman in the script was more the sort of nineties Peter David Aquaman. When Aquaman went dark he lost the hand and he had a hawk and he was like okay. a very kind of scraggly beard. 
Kettleboard. It all sounds really, really good, and it's even more frustrating, you know. Have you seen yeah. Have you seen the new Mad Max? I yes. haven't as of yet. Oh, I'm right. told it's Crap. amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. And I think it's worth saying actually, there is a documentary, I believe, in the works Good. about 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 this uh, I, film itself. I just think it predate, like I said, it predates the Avengers. Yeah, um, they would have had very much a sort of a shared universe built out of it. Mm. It would have been very dark. I think it's very much a wasted opportunity. Yeah, um, Darius has just pulled up on the computer a picture of the cast. All stood together um, in pre-production. Yeah, they got very close then, very close indeed. I mean, I mean, George Miller is a is a very interesting director. I mean, he's in his seventies now, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I can remember actually Smoke taking my, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, to see um, Happy Feet at the oh, cinema, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we sat there, and I was like, "Did you know that guy's going to do Justice League? Yeah. I've read it. It's going to happen." Yeah. <laughs> I think you know, seeing what he's done with Mad Max, which. It's a fantastic movie, the new Mad Max film. Um, in, um, it, just visually alone, and the, the set yeah. pieces are some of the best set pieces I think in recent kind of action movie history. I think. I think the fact that going off the ball a little bit, but with the new Mad Max film, the the live action sequences, and you know, I I showed it to my dad earlier this week and pitched it to him as it's essentially about a two hour car chase. Yeah, yeah. which is really really summing up, but. It is that, and it's so much more. And I was so impressed, especially finding out—not that you know, I'm ageist—but a chap, <laughs> a chap who is uh, yeah. slightly older, um, is pulling off such an incredible, sophisticated, intelligent film. You know, mm-hmm. do you think we would be praising really George Miller for his Justice League in the same sort of gasp no. with Josh Whedon for Avengers? That's a hard question Ooh. to answer. I mean, well, obviously we'll know more once this documentary comes out, hopefully, yeah. and it will explain a bit more. Compare but the directors, though. You can get very Sorry, different... just a point I, I, I forgot to mention. One of the things that was against it was Nolan was working on his Batman yeah. for a at the time. He'd just completed, not long completed uh, Batman Begins. Mm. And Nolan's Nolan said that Christian Bale's Batman wasn't allowed to be in the same movie purely because he didn't want to operate in a shared universe. And as such, you would have to recast Batman, which they did. But then also, it's like the two franchises exist in separate bubbles. And I th- yeah. again, I think that's why Marvel have been so popular, is because of the yeah. shared universe. Yeah. yeah. I think by having your Batman outside of that, yeah. you're already... It's no, there's no co- coherency. Like no, that. I mean, it's something that works in the comics, doesn't it? You can have different lines of kind of different versions of Batman or Superman in the comics. And that's, but in terms of movie, for movie audiences, I think it's too confusing. But we wouldn't have been ready for it yet. Uh, mm. I, was, I was also reading, um, after that attempt, more towards the, the version of Justice League they're working on now. There's a story that's been reported on several websites of movie executives... Um, about 2009, possibly 2010, going into a comic shop pretending to be fans and then quizzing the staff about what they thought about Frank Miller directing the Justice League movie. Yeah, right. Now, say what you will about Frank Miller's The Spirit. It's an awesome-looking movie. It looks amazing. Even if he made Justice League and it failed, I would just love to see what it looked like. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I, I'm going to wrap up on that So is that Frank Miller? Frank direct Miller about. directing the Justice League. I... I, that, that, it would that, never happen, but just think if, yeah. if he if he stuck with the same colour scheme he'd use for Sin City and he'd use for the Spirit, mm. how how amazing and how different from the Avengers yeah. with the Justice League. Look. We're stuck with Snyder. If someone had, if someone had told <laughs> Frank Miller to, the old thing of entrance, come into a scene late and leave early, Spirit would have been a lot better. 
I've not watched it, so I can't comment. Scarlett Johansson in it? Yes. yes. Oh, I might have to watch it. It's a reason to watch um, it. <laughs> <laughs> to, be fair to, him, to be fair to him, it looks beautiful. Brilliant. Um, Katie. Right, uh, that leads on quite nicely to what I'm going to be talking Ooh, about, which is um, if Darren Aronofsky had made Batman Year One, Ooh. which I will admit I've never read. <laughs> However, we should remedy that like immediately. <laughs> it's so. going to be remedied. Um, in 2000, it was put forward that Darren Aronofsky was going to make this film and he brought Frank Miller on board to write the script. Now, this is probably where I think it started to fall down. Frank Miller, who wrote Batman Year One, so he's written this amazing piece of work, Aronofsky goes to him and basically says, let's rip to shreds all your original <laughs> ideas and let's get co let's come up with something completely different. Um, which I thought, perhaps for Frank Miller, was a bit of a slap in the face, but he still ended up writing the script, which I've had a bit of a sneaky peek at. So... Some of the things, if I go through it, some of the things that he was um, saying was, my pitch was Death Wish or The French Connection meets Batman. <laughs> In year one, Gordon was kind of like Serpico and Batman was kind of like Travis Bickle, who's the protagonist <laughs> of The Taxi Driver. And he was making, well, him or Frank Miller, they were making all these changes that were so far removed from what we know as being the the, the story so after bruce wayne's parents uh, are shot bruce loses his fortune and becomes homeless alfred's character changes to an african-american man named little al who runs an auto repair <laughs> shop and acts as bruce's mentor Okay, Bruce doesn't travel the world. He instead reads books on various types of combat and practices them. I'll, I'm reading you the best ones here. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds wonderful. <laughs> Bruce uses mostly chemical-based weapons when fighting. Uh, <laughs> many of the scenes from the comic are omitted from the script... Um, the Batman, uh, sorry, the Batmobile and the Batcave would be present. Oh, it was um, Gordon as well, Commissioner Gordon. I, re I was reading it in, in essentially the first pages of the script. You've got Commissioner Gordon making a suicide attempt. He hates living in Gotham. He wants to get out. Um, he, he just had enough. Um, I'd, I'd read that as well. And I was thinking... Good grief! You know how how far removed is this? The Batmobile would have been a Lincoln Continental. <laughs> I mean, essentially, essentially, what Aronofsky wanted, and whether he was asked to do this or not, I don't know. Aronofsky was trying to build a completely different Batman, very different to the Batman that had come before, and I mm. think it was a knee-jerk reaction to the Batman and Robin that we'd that we'd mm. seen previously. Yes. Um, I can't remember what year that was. So I think in an attempt to try and bring a little bit of life back to it, this is what they did. Interestingly, um, they had started to, um, I think they'd actually cast him, they'd cast Christian Bale. Really? As the Batman. That is interesting. Um, now, there's no clear um, indication of why the film fell through. It just did, I think, 
I, I just don't know for whatever reason I was I was trying to f find out and it wasn't clear whether it was just too far removed from the Batman I'm thinking that's possibly what it was it was just too far removed for people to accept this new Batman um, but I mean from this film I think they took a lot um, essentially Christian Bale I think was the main one <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Christian Bale was so interested in playing Batman he ended up being our Batman mm. from this. I would say, to be fair to Aronofsky, it's certainly a, a grounded approach, which Nolan obviously took on too. Yes. So he wasn't completely crazy. But I think what Nolan did was he was striking that balance. I think Aronofsky, so we had comic, the real comic book Batman and Robin. It was real, you know, just ridiculousness. To then go to the Aronofsky let's base it completely in reality and then Nolan kind of struck it more towards Aronofsky mm. but he kept to the original story which is what people love so much and this is why Batman I, became Batman I, and I think to have him in his Lincoln Continental homeless with little Al yeah. was too far removed I mean you're right I mean there was a kind of knee jerk reaction to Batman and Robin and it was at a time when comic book movies weren't really taken very seriously absolutely and they didn't really know what to do with these properties and they were trying to reboot it and yeah I, that sounds uh, terrible I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I mean I love I've got some more I love here. Darren Aronofsky's films but yeah, yeah. I also love Batman and I'm sorry but that just and we were no. going to have uh, what have we got here we've got uh, Nights in the Shop watching the comings and goings of hookers yeah. Johns pimps and corrupt cops I, I, no, I, I can get Batman doing that yeah. I, yeah it does seem like a very sort of Travis like you said Travis Bickley Batman but I can get him doing that I've got to be honest, I do like the idea of Batman being homeless. Because it, it, you see in um, Batman Begins, it's the whole idea of he studies the criminal class to understand why they do what they do. And I can understand Bruce Wayne doing that. But for me, yeah. the whole part of Batman is the idea he travels the world and yeah, becomes educated yeah. and in they different were gonna, mystical arts. But exactly. that is what they were... And they were going to get rid of that too. And... Um, it was a bit weird as well because at some point I think it's little Al says actually I know you're homeless but here's your here's your money back so you can become Batman. I think it's something like that. I'll have to I'd have to read it I again. I do think though probably and Morgan Freeman first... would have been cast as little Al anyway. So. <laughs> no, I it think it still a, would have been Michael Caine. It was a first draft. It was a first draft, and like we've been saying all the way through, these are films that they've never been made. Another thing that would have been very different that they'd put into it was a lot of voiceover, a bit like. Sin City. Mm. Okay. They I were going to put a lot of voiceover, and it was Bruce speaking to his dead father. Oh, uh, okay. <coughs> uh, no, that was <coughs> well. But I don't know. Batman Year One is him speaking to his father when he's about to turn into Batman, isn't it? When he's sitting there with the gunshot wound. That's right. Yeah, and yeah, he, yeah. He has yeah, the yeah. choice either to die or to call Alfred and right. get Alfred to patch him up. Mm. So I should have brought. Right. I should have printed off some of the script if I'd have had. You know. It sounds. It sounds fascinating. It does sound I would, fascinating. I, I yeah. would probably, the script I would, is online. You can read. You it. can look up the script. I mean, if I could find it, you certainly can. So just to, if you put in uh, Batman Year One script, Darren Aronofsky. I'm sure something came up about Wachowski with as well. That's probably a conversation. Yeah, I think there was. I think there was a few directors linked to it, but I think also Darren Aronofsky has been linked to a few big properties, hasn't he? Yes. Yeah. I think without this, even though it wasn't made, without this, we possibly wouldn't have had the Christopher Nolan Batman that we had. Very true. I'm put like, that out there. I think, like you said, I think a lot of the <laughs> sort of the root of the idea was actually taken upon by Nolan. The idea of the more grounded approach. Just with no little black dude called Al. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems a bit of a white, white mess of a... Big Al, who was his father, 
and owned uh, the gas station. The gas station. It, it, it seems... <laughs> what are you doing, man? Why, why, why mess with the mythology? And, that, that, and that's, that's the thing, the same with, with Superman Lives. Why mess with it? Yeah. Uh, it's like, it, it's worked for, what, 75 years now, Batman has just been to around? Go, just to go back to the documentary, yeah. do, you, do you guys feel that... Um, Tim Burton didn't hold the original Superman franchise in any particular esteem. Yeah. Tim, Bur- Tim Burton was going to make his Superman movie regardless of what had come before, regardless of what Superman really was. Yeah. He only know that he knew the guy was called Superman and this is kind of what his suit looks like. That is how I felt. And, That's and Tim Burton, approach. which to a certain degree is correct, but to Burton, he's an outsider. Yeah. And then from that, Burton takes the other approach. I think it's that thing again, if you bring on a, a, a director like Aronofsky, um, Tim Burton or whoever... They're gonna have a very clear kind of vision of what they want, and Aronofsky has been linked to other films with Robocop. I believe he was linked to at one point. Yeah. Uh, Wolverine, yeah, he was linked yeah. to. I'd, and, I'd have loved to have seen a Wolverine yeah, by him. He's a great director, but maybe he's just not a studio director. He's not, he's not, he's not a director for hire. He was. Yeah, he, he was. Hire. He was very young at the time. He yeah. was. He was for a director. He was very young. He was coming off the back of Requiem for, for a Dream, dream which was critically fantastic. You know, acclaimed, uh, but um, then they're going to say to him, "Now make Batman." And then mm. after this, his film bombed. But then, of course, he made the fantastic Black Swan. I mean, it's not like you know his career didn't suffer terribly mm. because he didn't get to no. make it. Um, but at the time, probably, like we've said all the way through, that's a lot of money to give to someone who mm. you're not 100 percent confident could pull it off. Like Josh Trank. To to be to be fair to. Um, Frank Miller though he does have previous in Hollywood as well he was responsible for at least Robocop 2 number 3 yes that's right I'm not sure if he was responsible for the first but uh, he no, was, not he was a tried and tested hand at that point relatively yeah. speaking he, I know he did Robocop 2 definitely yeah um, yeah I, I think I think this is it I mean but then again Guardians of the Galaxy worked yeah we've had this conversation before but Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy worked James Gunn was not really that tried and tested, but he pulled off a fantastic movie. Uh, I think he has a lot. Of, uh, I think he has a lot to thank the Marvel machine for. Yeah, but then, well, then we've seen with Ant-Man. not every Marvel film works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Really pulled out bag and same with the Russo brothers. This is it. So I don't know. Oh, oh, oh. Anyway, I was just thinking we've probably got to get to wrap to wrap. Darius's. Yeah. Yes. No. Yes. 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 <laughs> My most very straightforward one. Mine. Um, I could have chose Batman, God, you know, I'd always choose Batman, but now I've gone for Samurai Jack. So, <laughs> for those who don't know Samurai Jack, Samurai Jack was a cartoon which ran on Cartoon Network, um, so the early 2000s. It actually ended around 2003, 2004. I think it was about three series, three or four series it ran for. And it was about a young prince from Japan whose father's empire was destroyed by the shape-sifting demon Aku. So as a child, he escapes the destruction and travels the earth, very much like Batman, training his mind and body for years until he reaches adulthood, at which point, at which point he becomes a samurai. And then um, in, a, in a duel with Aku, Aku, sorry, he is sent through time, through a portal, into the future. And then the rest of the show is basically Jack as a kind of nomad figure, kind of walking the kind of futuristic landscape, um, coming across all these great characters. And um, it very much had a 
spaghetti western kind of influences all over it as well as other genres genres including um, kind of film noir was kind of heavily got played into it um fantastic show fantastic show but it didn't really have that conclusion you never really found out what happened to jack mm. um and uh, the director Tarolowski, anybody? Tarolowski, Gennady Tartakovsky. Thank you very much, Rob. Um, was slated to actually direct a film in 2002, um, but it got scrapped after the Powerpuff Girls movie flopped. <laughs> so, no responsible for anything, are Yeah, there's no, Powerpuff Power Girls. Girls. Can we not so. blame them on the deaf of Superman lips as well? I think so. I think, try, I think so. I believe it's in the extras. Tara Reid is evil. I believe it's in the extras. Um, but um, and then it, it's kind of been bouncing back and forth. At one point, J.J. Abrams' um, Bad Robot production company was behind it and was going to produce it. Was obviously. it going to be live action? Uh, I think there's been talks of both a live action and a two D animated version as well. So the live action version did have uh, Tarzan Singh attached. It was a director. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it'll pop up again later. Yeah, the director. Oh, there you go. There we go. The director of The Cell, The Fall, uh, Immortals, yeah. mm. uh, that Mirror Mirror, which apparently is horrible, but I haven't watched it. It's actually quite good. Is it? Oh, okay. It looks okay. beautiful. I mean, visually, fantastic director. Absolutely I mean, wonderful. And yeah. that's what Samurai Jack was about for me when Visuals. I watched it, was what strikes me is, uh, is how it looked. So stylized, yeah, so was, clean, so sleek. Much like Dexter's Lab. Yeah, but it was... No, it, nothing it, like Dexter's Lab, Rob. It was more... Nothing <laughs> like Dexter's Lab. Have you ever watched it? For an animated... No, for an an, no, you're right, Kate, you're right. For the animated show, the cinematography, if you call it that, <laughs> or the kind of the set pieces, the action sequences were fantastic. Um, but there were also there was also episodes where it kind of really slowed down the pace. I remember one particularly when he had to um, he had to learn to move like really quietly to get past these kind of guards with bow and arrows and the whole the whole episode is him kind of learning to be really quiet and still and it's just so beautifully animated and done for a children's program basically it was fantastic and ahead of its time i think and the action sequences were amazing again coming back to spaghetti westerns and things like that but also this big action sequence of the robots being destroyed because they got away with quite a lot because it wasn't blood, it was kind of goo or kind of robots being slashed and things. So some fantastic set pieces in it and I mean, great characters. This as well. was something that was shown on Saturday morning because this is when I watched it. Saturday morning television, yeah. but it was actually a very intelligent, slick, animated mm. cartoon. Am I right yeah. in thinking they were quite short episodes as well? Yeah, probably about twenty-two minutes. No, imagine taking that to like ninety minutes. I think it could have worked. Like I think it could have worked. Have the right story. Yeah, but I mean, the thing with Jack is it's very much like Quantum Leap, which we talked about before, which is a big favourite of mine. <laughs> I thought you was going to choose Quantum Leap. <laughs> you can throw Quantum Leap in it. It is that same sort of like idea of a character who's kind of stuck and kind of travelling uh, and, you know, kind of meeting different characters and meeting different scenarios week by week. So some episodes, you know, each episode was basically very different from the next. So I think you could transfer that into an hour and a half movie and having me in different characters and kind of, you know, interweaving and stuff like that. I think that could work quite well. Yeah, I can see a studio who's not quite sure going, well, it works as a mm. short animation, but he doesn't talk a lot. And no. you, don't get, you don't actually, um, maybe the new Shaun the Sheep movies actually proved or that Wally. wrong. Yeah, or Wally. Wally. Yeah. But at back, you know, we're talking, what was this, 2002? What, 15 years ago? 2002. Early noughties. And maybe they weren't as confident that a film with not a lot of talking. 
Possibly, but then no, he's... No, if you were going to animate it and keep true yeah. to the style of Samurai Jack, which is what was proving popular, maybe they weren't so keen See, I can imagine them making it live action and casting like Brendan Fraser or something. Well, we've had, <laughs> yeah. we had the recent Keanu Reeves kind of Samurai movie, yeah. haven't we? Uh, which was 47 Ronin or something like that 47, 47 Ronin yeah, 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 yeah. which was very much you know we had demons and things like that you know? well at one yeah. point uh, Brett Ratner was actually yeah. interesting my hero so, my grow up I want to be just like Brett Ratner you know we might dodge the bullet there but um, I think it's still on the cards um, the director um, Rob director's name of oh, oh well, Samurai <laughs> Jack Oh, God, Tarkovsky. Thank you very much. Um, as I said, that he is still very much interested in making it, and he has been working on Hotel Transylvania 1 and 2. Mm. That's kind of wrapped. He was working on Popeye CGI kind of mm. reboot, which is... No one wants is, that. Yeah, he's now walked away from oh, creative differences. Um, I saw, no, I saw a little, I saw a little 10-minute proof of concept thing, and, eh, you know, it could have worked. I mean, he's he's a fantastic kind of animator and director, and I think um, Samurai Jack would make a, a brilliant movie. I think maybe now's the time for Samurai yeah. Jack. Yeah. I'm taking it forward. It doesn't have to be a massive movie. I mean, bring back the Jack. Bring back the Jack, and uh, the main the main thing again in in terms of like why it should be made, I think, is to wrap up the story of Samurai Jack. Um, you know, he's got to get home. He's got to get home. You can't leave him out there. It is very yes, much. Yeah. It is. It's similar to Quantum Leap. Think about. Of, I do, well, no. It's the idea of, of a character kind of being stuck out there. Lassie and, has the same thing. Yeah. Do, 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 do you pine for Lassie? I can't. I, I, more so for, for Samurai Jack. The fact he's still he has out a sword there. as well. He's, he's cooler. He's still out there walking the one. You know. If Lassie maybe it's like old yelling. Someone's pointing out. His if Lassie yeah, had a sword, I I would pay money to see. It would be like Shogun a sword. Well, 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 if you want a movie, if you want a movie with Lassie and a samurai sword, maybe you can pitch it in your fantasy movie section, which, hey, is next. So moving on. So they're the films where it got stuck in kind of development hell or, ne you know, never really reached the screen. Let's talk about what would we make? What is our, uh, what's our kind of fantasy movie, our what if movie? It could be, it can star anyone. It can have any director. It can be a mixture of uh, direct, uh, sorry, actors from different kind of time periods. It doesn't matter. Whatever you want. It's completely up to you. Katie, you look like you're ready to go. You've got notes. She's got I, flow charts and I, uh, charts and everything. Mind mapped it. 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 Okay. So, um, I'm going to build a little bit of a picture here. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say I really love, oh, I know this isn't everyone's cup of tea, Mr. Wood. Uh, I love old films, old film stars, classic films, so that's been a bit of an influence. It's going to say a lot about me, I think, really. I would, first of all, in a world where this director's been given us another chance to be the man he is, I would get Orson Welles on board as my director. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Ledge. Full mm. stop. Can't, would um, he play a giant talking planet? Stop. Don't the time. Don't <laughs> it's because he's been Best getting on about ever. Transformers recently. Yes. Um, so I'd get Orson Welles on board. Now, this is probably because I'm going through quite a big horror phase at the moment. It would be a horror film. It would be kind of Conjuring-esque with ghosts and uh, sort of all paranormal type dealy bops. Somewhere isolated, possibly an isolated, uh, an island in maybe we don't know where this is. 
maybe in some way I'd want an abandoned film studio. I don't know how this would all tie together, but I know that's what I want to see. You'd get writers, don't I'm you? Gonna get, yeah, I'm going to get someone else to... I've, I've heard much shorter pitches. <laughs> <laughs> I would cast, bearing in mind I love old film stars, I would uh, bring back from the dead James Dean as my lead, because I know it's, he's a bit overstated, you know, film stars uh, who are dead and gone, but James Dean's just so amazing. So I'd bring back James Dean. Somehow he gets caught up in all this stuff and he needs to bring in an expert. I would get Sam Rockwell because I think he's a solid performer. I love Sam Rockwell. And his uh, ex his assistant would be Simon Pegg because, <laughs> <laughs> because I know he's in a lot at the moment. But I love Simon Pegg. He's just incredible. I can and imagine him in a bow tie. I want him. <laughs> Maybe he would <laughs> And I want it set in a world where we've got a serious lack, maybe because it's so isolated and far away and things. I don't want mobile phones. Mm. I don't want video cameras. I don't want it to be the, oh, I've had a text message from someone. Oh, but it's not really that person. You know, I love screen films, but I don't want that kind of heavy use of and reliance on technology in this film. I want it to be a classic horror film with classic stars and awesome wells and that would be my dream i would love that Amazing. what's it called I'll, I'll have to come up with the name and come back to you on the <laughs> no i mean great i mean it could be you could say that it could be actually in the 40s why not i mean yeah. awesome wells I mean, a, a film noir horror movie yeah oh, yeah yeah, yeah, oh, yeah and that and i would love it i would love it oh amazing i'm, I'm with you i'd watch that good choice good yeah. choice um, who wants to go next, Mr. Wood? Oh, corner. Right. For my one, there was really only one choice, and this helped me like a bolt out of blue. That's my beer, Mr. Stu. Mm. And let's uh, <laughs> not get your name on For the record, so, we're, not, we're not drinking while we're, we're doing this. No, we're not drinking now. We're Anyway, I'll go back again. Yeah, there really was just one idea for me. And as soon as I was thinking about other things, as soon as this came to this idea, that was it. I have to see this film. This film has to get made. And that is Warhammer 40,000. Oh if it helps at all where you're listening, he's actually making fists. I am making fists. I'm making passionate. a fist of passion here. Okay. A fist of passion. A fist of Which passion. is a different thing we all together. <laughs> what can I say? We've been drinking. Again, let's keep it clean. Let's keep it clean. Here we go. I'm actually going to pitch you a film now. Now, to, uh, to get really into I mean, there's so many different armies, so many different universes, so many different groups of people you could use. I'm going to go with the Imperial Guard. Imperial Guard are basically your basic humans. And that's that's your that's your your way into the film, and so I'm going to base it human army on an icy frozen planet, and it's theirs. They are holding it, and there's an army you want who basically attacking them, and uh, it's going to start a couple of scouts on a, a hillside, and uh, they spot much like the predator with a kind of mirage. They see something in the background. It's a whole Eldar army sneaking up on them. Now the Eldar are futuristic elves, and wild and wonderful, absolutely incre incredible army and would look amazing and then they the scouts get killed and then a big battle ensues. During this battle something gets unearthed <laughs> in, in the in the snow and that sets off a pulse sets off a beacon that attracts any kind of all the different armies onto this planet to find out what it is. I would like to say at this point my pitch was shorter. <laughs> I'm getting there. These, these storyboards you got are amazing. These are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> concept art. This is fantastic. Can, can, can I just interrupt you a second? There's actors in costume. No, 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 no. I, I, I know what Warhammer for. Is. Can you just explain what Warhammer is for those? It's you know? basically, I mean, it's set in the year 40,000. Mm. And it's basically the whole universe is at war. Every 
kind of planets has their own races. They're all fighting one another. And uh, I mean, some of the bases, obviously you've got like Imperial Guard of Humans, you've got the Space Marines, mm. which are the genetically engineered humans in massive metal armor suits. And you've lots got, of guns. Yeah, and lots yeah. of guns, yeah. I mean, you've got the Orcs, which are often used as a futuristic and there's all different kinds of tribes. You've got obviously the Eldar, the futuristic tribes. You've got the Necrons, which are an like undead skeleton army. You've got the Tau, which are like manga robots of all different sizes, a whole race of robots. The Dark Elder, the e especially evil elves, the Tyranids, who are like uh, the aliens from Aliens, but with more arms and even more menacing. And then you've got, ultimately, the army from hell, the Chaos Space Marines. Jesus. Who, I mean, they are the unstoppable force. I mean, they look in amazing, huge armour, demons, everything you can imagine. Now, imagine that visually, all together, on a film, I want to see that. Wow. Casting. Amazing. We're going to go to casting now. Jesus, casting. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> casting as well. Now, I thought for stars, I know, we're going to go for Dan Stevens and Jennifer Lawrence. I was going to go yeah. chuck them in just, there. Just These are just Dan like Stevens. the Imperial Guard. Dan Stevens was the guest and he was um, in... The one with the posh people. Um, Dan Dan's Dan's Abbey. Abbey, yeah. <laughs> it's been a few things, yeah. Yeah, he's coming out, isn't he? As a big thing, he's not necessarily coming out. Dan Stevens is not necessarily coming out, not necessarily wrong with that. We just want to make it clear. Sexual orientation is his own. I'm talking about his career. He's a rising star. But I thought, I mean, you've got people. I thought about casting like Andrew Garfield as like a crazy unhinged medic. I think that could work quite well. Michael Keaton as the commander of the Imperial Guard Army, actually on the planet. And I mean, anyway, you can have loads of people on it, can you? Because the, yeah. the armies are vast. You can I mean, the armies are vast. I mean, I, I, I like stunt casting in a film. Mm. I mean, I've got people like. In Hollywood. Well, you've got people like Ronda Rousey, Emily Blunt, Ronda Ben Foster, Rose Leslie, Natalie Dormer, Henry Cavill. And I mean, I thought even as you have like Space Marines turn up, and one of them's played by Russell Crowe, but not as we know him. Shaven head, scarred from years of battles. And he has that uh, voice of authority in this massive metal armor who goes to help them and comes in and saves the day. Well, well, if if um, Warcraft takes off, exactly. which Dark and Jones is to bring out next year, then this could be the next one to it's say. It was based. One. It was a board game, wasn't it? It was yeah. a board, board game. game yeah. and comics and board Do you know who I want to see? <laughs> as, do you know who I want to see? As Space Marine. Kurt Russell. I mean these are guys these are guys who were born and bred for war and that's all they've ever known. It sounds it sounds epic. I mean yeah, who, who it's gonna be could, I think it's the trilogy. Absolutely. Well, there could be a hundred movies. It and could they be. could spin off into other movies. You could movies. be essentially I mean, describing a film that is what a, being made. What about Space Marines, which is your giant your humans? Yeah. In the giant armor yeah. against the Tyranids, the alien creatures in a jungle planet. They're, they're, they're I kind want of, to see that. To film. be fair, the Space Marines are kind of a cross between the Colonial Marines from um, Alien and the mm. Troopers from Starship Troopers, aren't they? But in the sense they have yeah. the armor, they, they're, um, they're more, big, they're more armor than a Colonial Marine. Kind of the yeah. Hulk armor kind of thing. To yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like the Hulk Buster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine yeah. an army of Hulk Busters against an With army. I, I, I remember the PC game. It was fantastic. The game on Warhammer. I mean, that sounds epic. Any idea of a director? I thought Neil Marshall. Yep. Fantastic director's proved yeah. himself I recently. Chuck, I, mean, I don't think you'd need an A-list. I think it's worked better if no, you don't. No, I mean, he's pre with Game of Thrones, Game he's, yeah. he's directed Hannibal. Hannibal yeah, yeah. He's directed some fantastic yeah. battle sequences in Game of Thrones. Some of the, probably some of the best battle mm. sequences in Game of Thrones. I, I don't think you need a lot of major character interaction. I don't think it needs that kind of director. I think it just needs someone who knows action. It's, it's a two-hour fight, essentially. Essentially, it? yes. I think you've been thinking about this film for a long time, haven't you? Yes, this since film needs you, to be made. Since you were like 15 it in needs, the dark. Since I used to play board games. Playing your board games. To yourself. Um, so, 
That sounds epic. <laughs> I, I'd watch it, definitely. Okay, Mr. Stu, how about yourself? <laughs> okay, um, I know they're talking about making a Sandman movie. Yes. Um, I'm, my take on it is slightly different. One of the things that frustrates me about the modos, the mod, sorry, the modern superhero movie, is that it's all very, um, very similar. You know, the visual style's the same. It's all shares same kind of sensibility. So my uh, my idea, much like you mentioned earlier, how about um, Tarzan Singh? Mm. I love his visuals. I love to see him work on a superhero movie, something very distinct. And what a better, what a better superhero movie than the Sandman. Can you just, I mean, I don't really know much about Sandman. Neil, Neil Gaiman, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Neil what's Gaiman. the general... Gist the Sandman of... is the Lord of Dream. Hmm. Um, in, he, oh, so he, he controls it yeah. while you sleep. Yeah. He literally is the yeah. king of sleep. Yeah. The king of dream, the king of sleep. Uh, the comic books start in, I think it's like 1914, 1918, where he's captured by Aleister Crowley and his disciples and kept in a prison. They're looking to capture death, but by mistake they capture dream. And then the first um, like eight issues or whatever, the Sandman is the Sandman escaping and going to collect the things that belong to him, his helmet, uh, his pouch, is the one. It's all very, um, very dreamy, for want of a better term. Um, a very kind of modern horror. A lot of it's got a very kind of hellblazer feel, especially the early issues. Mm. I think Tasman Singh, I think his visuals are amazing. From back from like the Losing My Religion video by R.E.M. up uh, to like The Cell, The Fall, Immortals. Mirror, Mirror, I don't much care for as a movie, but I love the visuals. The visuals mm. are good. I think his imagination should be put, put to work on a superhero movie. Mm. I... I think what better person to write than Neil Gaiman? Yeah. Um, I've Googled it. As far as I can see, he hasn't written a screenplay. There's been several incarnations of the screenplay over the years. He's and written... Nobody's quite got it right no. to his mind. I mean, he's written, hasn't he, for the screen? He's he has. Doctor he did Miramar. He did Miramar as well. Which is a great film. Um, and Doctor Who episodes. He well. did. But... Uh, Stardust was quite good. Mm. Uh, Jane Goldman mm. wrote that. Yeah. Why not give yeah. Jane Goldman a go? Yeah. She'd be a very good choice. You know, yeah, um, yeah. she she She's did the um, well. she did the X Men movie. She yeah. did Kick Ass. Yeah, yeah. I quite yeah. enjoyed. Jonathan Ross's wife. Yes. Jonathan Ross, absolutely. Yeah. That's the one thing I know about. Who's lots more talented than, than Jonathan <laughs> Ross? <laughs> I don't think yeah. that's great. I mean, um, any idea of cast? Well, yes. Uh, I just thought of um, Sandman himself. I would go for Johnny Depp. Mm. Perhaps younger Johnny Depp. Yeah, but the Sandman, the character designs them something very sort of like the one of the artists that said he actually based it on Neil Gaiman because Neil Gaiman right. has this kind of massive hair like mm. um, a nest that flows everywhere, but a little bit of some sort of Neil Gaiman, a little bit of David Bowie, so maybe a younger Johnny Depp. I can see him working as Sandman himself. I mean, not, I don't know too much about it, but from what you're saying, it sounds like it might be quite an interesting take on the kind of superhero he's, genre. He's not a, he's not he's a superhero. Not a, it's a comic. It's, yeah, it's, it's, he's, he's a god, essentially. Well, it's yeah. the same way like, like Ghost World is a comic book movie. Yes. It's not com- yeah. Yes, precisely. It would be closer to Constantine, mm. um, but he's not human. He's a, he's a god. Sounds like it would be quite refreshing and quite interesting. And just throw it up there, I'd like to see a Tarsum Singh Superman movie. I'd like to see a sub superhero movie full stop. Mm. Well, I think Silver were, were the Mar- were Marvel to first own the rights to and also let their directors go a bit off board. Mm. I'd love to see a Tarsum Singh Silver Surfer movie. Mm-hmm. I think that would be amazing yeah, when you think of like Galactus and the sort of yeah. intergalactic Well, the rate is going, they've got that many movies in production, you know, it's only a matter of time, isn't it? You're gonna run out of directors, so we will give it a shot. <laughs> what about yourself? What's what's um uh, more? Well, well, ah, I toyed with a couple, but what I've gone with is 
Home Alone, Kevin's Revenge. <laughs> Bear with me. It's Christmas in Chicago, and the police are baffled by the death, the deaths of petty criminals found entrapped in elaborate devices around a city. Is it the sticky finger bandits? <laughs> Wait. Each device is constructed by everyday objects, including nails, paintings, and tar. The only calling card, uh, calling card on the scene are the words, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal, <laughs> written in childish handwriting across the victim's chest. A reporter for the Chicago Tribune, Megan McAllister, begins to investigate the murders, oh yeah, and soon recognises a pattern in the materials used in each trap. The items are similar to those found in a family home growing up. After comparing the handwriting on the victims to an old sketchbook, Megan comes to a shocking realisation. The murderer is her estranged brother, Kevin. Dun, dun, dun. Kevin McAllister had grown up to be mentally scarred following his family, repeatedly abandoning him several Christmases in a row. Trapped in a state of arrested development, Kevin has built an underground lair in Chicago and believes he is protecting his home from the criminals who enter. Megan, concerned for her brother's sanity, reaches out for the only people she believes can help get past Kevin's traps and find him safely. The notorious Wet Bandits. Oh, I'm there. I'm watching. Yeah, come on. I have thought about this for quite a few years. It's like an alternative to Batman, isn't it? Really, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Originally, I kind of saw him as kind of more like um, Bruce Willis, kind of John McClane. So you you got got a Die Hard vibe happening. Kind of, kind of. Originally, I was thinking Die Hard, but then I thought, have I been Home Alone as a skyscraper? Yeah, I, I, I thought that, but then I thought maybe it'd be quite interesting if he became more of a kind of deluded, kind of Riddler-esque kind of character, <laughs> what, you know, more of a villain. Kevin McAllister and the guy who played Saw, like Jigsaw. I go head to head. We're talking so, the start of a trilogy. So, so you know. Kevin, yeah. he has now become the... He's kind of become the villain, really. Villain. He's become disillusioned, you know, basically after the events of Home Alone 1 and 2, it happened to him. Every Christmas for about <laughs> 10 years. His family kept leaving him behind in different locations around the world. Uh, yeah. and got of to course him. they say it's the accident. It's an accident, colors, but, but, you know, Kevin came yeah. in, paid disillusionment and went off by himself and basically shot himself away from his family for many years. I mean, not to shoot it down, but they seem like... Quite... <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, like... this, this is going to production. Yeah, the dissenting voice <laughs> in the room. We've <laughs> but they seem like quite a rich family. Would they not sort of send him off for, like, some, like... Therapy. Well, no, he he, he maybe he doesn't want to be hugged. Maybe he doesn't want to be hugged. He basically yes. so he disowned him. <laughs> he disowned him. He he, he pushed oh, he had him enough. away. He, he had, had enough. enough. By the time he was eighteen, he had enough. He left. He kind of travelled the world and disappeared. And right. this is basically around ten years after that. Right. So his sister Megan hadn't seen him for many years. They believed he didn't know where he was basically, and then suddenly he comes back and he's seeking revenge. And he's basically trapped in that idea of that he has to fight away the. Um, so it is like Mr. Woods. Like Mr. Woods, it is. It's Home Alone meets Thor. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, kind of. I see him more as like a kind of Riddler, kind of very twisted, kind of. You know, with these elaborate kind of. Uh, I wish traps. you people listening could see the head gestures. That right now, it's, but it's wonderful. Cast wise, I'm going to go for Megan. Who's Kevin's sister as Scarlett Johansson? Yeah. And I did my research. He has a sister that called Megan. Safe. Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> because it's Scarlett Johansson, as uh, as we thought. I buy that. Um, Marv Daniel Stern, 
on the original film, mm -hmm. and Harry Joe Pesci. Pesci. You're going to bring um, them back. They're going to bring them back. Absolutely. We're going to bring them back. It ties know. the original trilogy. Well, so they, they have to basically work with Scarlett Johansson's character to get through the traps and to get to Kevin and then try and stop him, basically, before the police can get to him. Joe Pesci interacting with Scarlett Johansson could be amusing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep it. We'll keep it under yeah, yeah under control. And as Kevin, well, for Macaulay Culkin, yeah, no, bless him, but his heart's not in anymore. So I decided to go for Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland, maybe about fifteen, twenty years ago, maybe. Yeah, I think yeah, it would have been yeah. quite a good grown the up. Start of twenty four. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think he's got the look of maybe an older Kevin McCarthy. I'm thinking he'd go a bit further. I'm thinking like something like him from Stand by Me. Stand by Me or um, oh. Vampire One. Ooh, yeah, Lost Boys. Lost Boys. Lost yeah, 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 yeah. So Lost Boys, Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't sound convinced by. No, he's got to be around. He's got to be around thirty, around thirty. So thirty, thirty, thirty four to make it work. So. And so, yeah, he's quite a crazy kind of character and they have to break through. Now, for director, uh, I thought, you know, it's dark, it's gritty. Mm. I thought we're going to go for David Fincher. Not Brett Ratner. You know, no, not Brett Ratner. <laughs> or David Fincher directing. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's suddenly taken a very dark and twisted turn it, with it, your choice it of director. It is a very dark and twisted film, if you've not been listening to the synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> he's basically... So trapping criminals. Batman level. He's basically trapping criminals in you... elaborate traps and killing them. And and he's basically a serial killer. Who directed Saw? Doug Doug Chinese dude. I For the record, record I have not seen the Saw films and any connection. Any 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 connection to that is pretty coincidental. That's a very original idea. My my other idea was a quantum leap continuation, which I've also written out, but I'll save that for another time. Before before we before we finish this, things we're positive about, things we've seen recently that we mm. liked Mr Wood Deadpool trailer yeah, yeah, yeah I think we need to have a yeah. quick word about that so I think this is hopefully if this film goes big we might actually get some adult superhero films I think there's a lot of superhero franchises out there that will suit being adult themed and R rated and uh, I think Daredevil uh, Daredevil um, Daredevil Deadpool. if only it was Daredevil well Daredevil Deadpool the trailer looked very cool mm. I like the, uh, the route they're going um, and I hope they pull it off very much pulling down the fourth wall. Yes, I think uh, it could break break down a lot of boundaries in uh, certainly this superhero renaissance. Absolutely, Dean. Um, so I've seen the trailer for The Revenants, which uh, stars uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hardy, um, and it was the director of Gravity, I believe. Mm. Oh wow! I've got to edit around. No, no, sorry. Um, and so it's from the director of Birdman. And so it's his latest film, which nice. he's working on. And the trailer just looks amazing. Apparently, there's very little dialogue in it. It's kind of a bit of a Western theme to it, but I think it's set a bit early on that. Um, but check out, uh, check out the trailer. It just looks beautiful. And when's that due for the release? Uh, let's have a look. It is this year. So late in the year, yeah. Okay. One to but, watch out for. Yeah, yeah they, I think... The awards. Yes, it's a big award Oscar one, based. and they reckon yeah, uh, well. cinematography as well, because apparently they, they shot everything in, in daylight, natural daylight, so wow. it took ages to shoot, and yeah, it looks beautiful. Miss Hill? Oh, as usual, I've just been trying to catch up with all the stuff I've never watched, so, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, today I was trying to uh, get into American Horror Story. 
but if we're actually talking modern stuff, then yeah, I think the Deadpool trailer was looking amazing. I loved how they'd done a little tease to pull us in. Mm. Um, but uh, I showed it to a friend who has no interest in uh, comic book movies whatsoever, and even she said, that looks really good fun. Mm. So, very excited about that. Excellent. I will just end by saying I've been catching up with season three of Hannibal. Amazing. Really, really good. Um, I don't know why more people aren't raving about Gillian Anderson's performance in it. Oh, she's fantastic. She, she is, is fantastic. Um, but just it's it's nothing it's nothing new to the um, Hannibal format, which are very visually rich, um, increasingly disturbing. And if they don't get, I. I if they carry on the way they're going, I feel they'll get to the end episode and there'll be absolutely no dialogue at all. Mm. And that's that's not a criticism. No. It's just yeah. the way the story's going. Have they actually managed to make it more disturbing? Because I've already, having watched the first series, I already had to make sure that I had no food around me because I just would feel yeah. sick. It's, it's, quite, it's getting very European, doesn't it? Well, I haven't watched, um, I haven't, I haven't watched that much of the third season, but yeah, you're right, it gets very kind of slow and kind of, the first couple of episodes of season three. And, and that's not to put you off. It's no, um, no, it's, it's, be it's beautiful stuff. It's, it's a shame that it's ending. So you just got to have a, a little bit of patience? Yeah. Yeah, stick with it. Because uh, to, to be fair, my, my interest was waning at the start of the third season, mm -hmm. but I, I stuck with it. And the latest couple of episodes I've watched have just rewarded ninefold. Hopefully hopefully they'll they'll save it, they'll bring it back. But The know. one I watched the one I watched the other night, actually, was the introduction of the, uh, the Red Dragon. Mm-hmm. And they had a complete leap of like three years between the previous episode and that episode. Well, this is wow. it. Next next season, they might catch up to Silence of the Lambs. So see now you've made me want to get back into it because I abandoned it a little bit in series two. It gets, it gets quite heavy. The first half of season two, we all suffered with Graham and stuff trapped yeah. you know, locked in locked up. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, pretty yeah. much where I left. But it it, it, gets, it gets better, I think. Yeah. Do you reckon, Rob? Yes, yeah. yeah, certainly stick with it. It's it's a show that rewards patience mm. and um, just generally paying attention to bit who like, the characters are and where it's heading. Bit like Wayward Pines. I was going to say a bit like us. So, <laughs> on that note of Wayward Pines. On that note of Wayward Pines, I think we're going to end it because we're not going down that rabbit hole. Um, okay, so that's been a great episode. Really good chatting to you guys and being Absolutely. in the same room. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I hope hope you, the listeners, enjoyed it. And um, please, please, please give us any feedback you can on iTunes or through Twitter at Strangers TTM or on the Facebook page, just search Strangers to Multiplex, you'll find us. Um, tell, tell us what you'd like to like to hear in future. Yeah, yeah. give us future podcast ideas. I think, yeah. I think the horror one's the next one. Any, uh, yeah, we're doing horror next. Yeah. We're, so we'll be back in a couple of weeks with our horror special. But um, yes, please, any feedback, that'd be great. And uh, thanks for listening. And until next time, don't be a stranger. <laughs> <laughs>